Welcome to Star Trek Sundays. This is the second half of The Trouble with Transporters in which we examined and even debated the Tuvix episode, as well as discussed whether or not we'd be friends with a clone of ourselves. There's a lot of reflection ahead in this bit of bonus content, so stay tuned. But before we play the second half of that episode, we want to thank everyone who participated in the conversations that happened in the podcast and afterwards. The discussions regarding Tuvix continued into another sci-fi room on Clubhouse on the day of the recording, and then into several conversations through the week and online. And First Officer T wants to share a bit about the art for this episode. Hi, this is First Officer T of Star Trek Sundays. I want to say something about the art we did for the podcast, which is an image of a brick wall with Tuvix on it, and the words, Tuvix Lives Matter, graffitied on it. The idea initially came when we were doing the watch party and someone said the phrase, but I, T, thought it was funny and carried it forward as something I wanted to see as art. I was envisioning a world where the phrase itself had carried forward into the 23rd century and it was being used as a protest slogan to point out institutionalized oppression by the Federation. It was meant very much in the spirit of organizing against groups who use and abuse the power they wield to kill minorities. And in my mind, Star Trek has always been used by the writers to put such inequalities in the spotlight and point out why they're problematic and something to be waged against actively. I hope that the spirit of the art is taken as a cautionary tale about how the price of freedom is eternal vigilance, especially when dealing with institutionalized oppression of minorities, because that's absolutely how it was intended. This is First Officer T signing out. Live long and prosper. Thank you, T. And now on with the show. So let's move back to this question because I know everybody wants to answer it. And so we'll get this question and then I have a couple others. So Gela, the question to you is, if you had a copy of yourself, would you be at odds with yourself or would you be best friends? That is a terrifying proposition. Um, uh, If I'm being honest, I think that I would probably um, be, if not best friends, then at least, you know, a a good, good friends. Um, Because I do think that we would have compassion for each other. We would be able to, maybe counsel each other through uh, difficult times that we have had or that we um, anticipate we might yet have to go through. Um, I would love to give myself a big, big hug. Um, <clears throat> so I've always, I've always had this very strong sense that what I want m- most of all in the world is to be deeply understood. Um, and I think that it, you know, it's possible that having a clone of myself would be the closest thing I would ever get to that. Um, so I'd like to know what that would be like, and if it would, if it would give me what I, what I have uh, always felt that I wanted. Great answer, great answer. Really appreciate that. I, I yeah, I think that that has something to do with why I would, I would look at, at this as a positive experience as well. So Rachel, how about you? If you had a clone of yourself, would you be at odds with yourself or would you be best friends? 
Well, I think the, I think in, uh, my first thoughts were, while I already have a relationship with myself, um, and I have an inner dialogue, an inner voice that I'm always talking to. And so it would be interesting just to see that outside of myself, you know, and it would help improve the way I talk to myself, I think, because like other people have mentioned, because we have compassion towards other people. And um, I've come out like, I've come a long way from the way I used to talk to myself till now, and it's much improved, but that's one way I feel like it would help me. But I also am just excited, like so excited about the prospect of a clone because I could like assign housework to housework to them so that I can spend more time with my children. And then we would just divide the housework, you know, because it's exhausting. But I also um, think if I meant if the clone, like in the episode was from eight years before, I feel like we would be immensely different. Like, I feel like fundamentally, I, who I am has changed over the years, and especially changed eight years ago. So I think we would get along. And I also think my clone would help me hold me accountable. Because I really suck at like, sticking to routines. And I feel like I hope my clone would be like, because that's one area that I talk to myself a lot in and, and get my get mad at myself for. But I hope my clone wouldn't get mad at me, but I just hope they would hold me accountable to myself, like saying, you know, you need, you wanted to do yoga regularly, well, let's do it. Like, I hope having that outside of me, a, a person that I don't want to disappoint, like trying to hold me accountable would be great too. Thank you for that. And your your children's contribution was uh, quite timely. <laughs> it was great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How about you, Steve? What do you think about clones? And if you had a coffee, a copy of yourself, would you be at odds with yourself or would you two be best friends? Well, I am very confident that if I had a clone of myself, uh, we would be best friends. Uh, there'd be, there'd be nothing to distrust for one, right? Or at least if there was any distrust between us, we both know that we could match each other in terms of wit and uh creativity and and um and and persistence so it, if we had a disagreement we'd already feel defeated from the very get-go because <laughs> we'd we'd maybe have to if anything clone another just so that we could have a, a dividing vote or <laughs> a deciding vote or something now i think that if i had a clone of myself in fact i'm very much more like uh like I'll, I'll go the extreme route and, and be like Naruto, right? Just have a whole freaking army of clones of me, myself and be just fine. I'm not sure how it'll ultimately work out, but I certainly believe that I would know that we're all on the same team and getting along with each other, which I can't usually say about other people in my life. No offense. <laughs> well, no offense taken. I really love these answers because it shows a lot of love for oneself. I'm I'm really happy that you guys like yourselves. This is really healthy and I'm I'm glad that that you're sharing it. So Christy, we'll go to you. If you had a copy of yourself, would you be at odds with yourself or would you be best friends? Well, so I wanted to talk about the fact that when Riker was discovered, like Rikers were like, that can't be, you know, I'm the real Riker. And I think that that set off their, um, their uh, 
their relationship on a bad note. And so I think that in a way that was sort of what started some of the disagreement. And then a part of me wonders how much Riker even likes himself. Um, so I thought it was really interesting um, the way that it all played out um, because I pretty sure I wouldn't have that reaction if, if, if it was discovered that I was truly a clone of myself, it was, I, I just don't think I would have the same reaction that he did just because I'm not him. Um, but I really do believe that I would be, um, I would be best friends or very close friends with, um, a clone of myself. So, yeah. And like you said, Victoria, I mean, it's taken me a long time to get to this point where I do like myself and sometimes I don't like myself, but most of the time I do. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I think that I would, I would be friends, but I think that the way that it happened in Riker's case, I think it set things off on a really bad note in the very beginning. Absolutely agree on that. Totally. A hundred percent. I do think that because they've, they've seen weird things before they've seen, you know, and I don't know where this falls in the storyline, but you know, they've been deceived before with people and, and Riker himself, when he had that son and he was being deceived by the alien uh, to have this whole life. And in fact, he was just, you know, captured somewhere. Uh, you know, I think these people are smart to question it at first, but then once you know what happened, then it's like, wow, this is really cool. So one of the things I often say is I crack myself up and I think I'm funny, but I don't think I'm funny for other people. I'm not saying I think I'm funny, meaning I think you'll think I'm funny. I make myself laugh. And so I imagine, and I've got one or two good friends who do similar style of humor and who make me laugh until my stomach hurts. But I am one of those people. I will make myself laugh. It, it, my husband just stares at me sometimes because I'll come up with a pun or, or some funny thing and it just tickles me to no end. And so that sort of having a person like that around who gets my sense of humor, who can then surprise me with that kind of cute humor, I, I would, I would love it. Right. So I think that I think that this conversation has made me realize that I've come a long way in my own journey to like myself as well. So I want to thank all of you for helping me on that journey and for letting me realize all this. T, did you have any comments? I certainly did. I think that um, all the discussion about talking to yourself better, I hope that's what the writers had in mind when they really made Riker look like an asshole because he talked down to himself. He, he degraded himself, you know, Will degraded Thomas, Thomas degraded Will. It was, they, they were snarky to each other. And I, I, I I could have, I, I couldn't have imagined myself doing that to myself, you know, I, I could, and I guess that's just, the, the characters that they are, I guess that's what real, Will Riker's inner dialogue really says about himself. And so I really loved all the crew sharing the, the talk about talking to themselves better and, and helping each other and having an army of themselves. And that really resonated with me. And I just wanted to say thank you. And 
I mean, what you said, Victoria, yeah, everything, just, yes, yes. Yeah, thanks, T. Yeah, it's funny how these shows can bring out so much reflection. I, I love it. I mean, that's why we started this entire journey. But one of the other things just on clones, and this I expect will be sort of a, a lighter uh, topic, hopefully, um, and and certainly if you don't want to answer this question, you don't have to, and we can move on to Tuvix. But I was wondering, would you date a, a clone of a lost love? So I'll put that to T first, and then we can just go popcorn, and I'll watch the stage to see if anybody unmikes, and then I'll call on you. Um, so T, would would you date the clone of a lost love? I would. I would. Um, I would strongly consider that, especially if you know the things that happened between us didn't happen between us, right? Because I get a second chance, just like Riker got, and I think Riker screwed it up again. Right. I mean, I think that, or maybe that's just, you know, the poor character he is that he just screws up relationships. He's just a womanizer. I don't know. Right. Uh, it seems that way. So I, especially when he, you know, sits down and, you know, spreads his legs, you know, 90 degrees. Right. Um, it's like, wow. Okay. Or, or puts the, you know, leg up on the, on the thing. He's just really, he's really dominant that way. And I just, I feel really icky around, sort of that behavior, right? It's just, I think that it's one of those things where he, I, I would do better, you know? That's all I'm gonna say. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, this brought up a lot of emotion to me and, and second chances and all of that. So um, I think I'll, I'll pass on that for now. I still wanna process that a little bit. But I wanna welcome Dave to the stage and to Star Trek Sundays. Dave, you've put up your hand, so I wondered if you wanted to answer this particular question or if you had something to contribute on some of the other questions that we talked about. Well, well, well thank you very much. First of all, uh, EO or IO, thank you for inviting me. Uh, IO and I are on a Star Trek uh, related project having to do with uh, medical and quantum mechanics. Uh, I'm thrilled to find you. I'm uh, happy to answer this question. I, I was in another room, so I didn't hear the other questions. For uh, part of my background is I uh, am uh, booked uh, by uh, government agencies to uh, support Star Trek uh, technology, and uh, I can go into my background uh, more later. Uh, but for this particular question, to date a clone of a loved one, I have a theory. The answer is yes, and I have a theory that. Uh, we may actually be uh, clones uh, that are created and or destroyed and created from a moment-to-moment -moment basis where our soul moves forward. Uh, I, I'm a quantum mechanics person. I, I have a quantum uh, mechanics uh, startup in the U.S. and a uh, related one for children in Canada. Uh, so if my theory is correct, where we, uh, we actually are kind of transported on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, uh, and all that remains is the soul that uh, that gives us the relatability to ourselves and to others that we relate in. I would think that a sufficient quality clone uh, would be one that there could be a transfer. And even if there wasn't, if it's the same person or a clone, 
the love would show up and it would, it would basically be if uh, a loved one lost their memory, didn't know who I was, I would still want to be with that person and help them. And I would consider the same thing. Uh, so that's, that's the, uh, that's my answer. Uh, thank you for inviting me to stage and, uh, sharing that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting everyone and, and learning more about your Star Trek love and back to you. Thank you, Dave. I really appreciate that. Dave, do you remember the episode Tuvix? No, uh, not the name, but okay. I don't recall. I don't. I don't recall uh, Tuvik with a, a transporter incident. So I haven't okay. seen all of the Deep Space Nine. So I just I want to put this question to you because there's a bit of a debate going on, and uh, and it's quite heated online as well oh. as as here even, oh, wow. and and in the ep in this episode, what happens is Tuvok, who's a, a Vulcan. Mm -hmm. is in the transporter with Neelix, who's the cook and a nice guy, right? Two different personalities. Yep. And they've gone to grab some plants down on the surface of this planet. And when they are transported from the planet, we find out later because of this plant matter, they've all merged. All three things have merged. And what comes out of the transporter is a blend of these two. And this perfectly healthy being takes the name Tuvix, while they're trying to figure out if they can be separated, right? So at the beginning, they think, oh my God, this accident, we're going to have to separate the person. But they can't figure out how to do that. And the person lives, Tuvix lives and becomes a working part of the crew, does both jobs of both people because he has these memories of both these yeah. people. And when they finally figure out how they can separate them, Tuvix doesn't want to be separated. Mm -hmm. But the people who want their friends back want him to be separated. So Janeway acts unilaterally to separate, decides, yep, yeah, okay, we can do this. Uh, and now she's going to separate, you know, destroying Tuvix. And we want to know, we wanted to know of the crew and perhaps you, do you think she made the right choice? Do all lives matter or only the original ones from which the hybrids are made? And I'm wondering if you can answer that for us. Oh, wow. That's a spicy question. Good luck, Dave. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. I was wondering if there's another Dave, and I was, I was just talking for you. I, uh, so thank you for uh, clarifying that it is me that, that you're asking. And uh, for, for that spicy question uh, statement, I'm very happy to answer the question. The uh, Thank you for asking me. I, I feel that all lives matter, and uh, my gut reaction is is uh, do both. Uh, so if push comes to shove, it's no, uh, keep Tuvik. Uh, Tuvik is uh, a combination, and uh, he's moving forward. His soul has moved forward. Uh, from a philosophy point of view, I feel that we're all souls. And we, we do kind of merge into a big soul and we splinter off and we, we combine. It's, it's a fluid thing, although our uniqueness remains. Our, our memories don't necessarily remain, but our, our, our uniqueness remains. In this case, the two souls have come together in some form and the memories are both there. And, and they've, now, they've now done a Vulcan mind melt, basically permanently with the body. 
So I, I think that what I would rather have done uh, if I was if I was uh, the captain uh, is uh, figured out a, a way uh, for both versions to exist uh, in uh, quantum theory with the multi-world theory. Uh, this happens. Uh, it's just different timelines, and certainly Star Trek is is no is no stranger to that. Uh, so it'd be a matter of which timeline uh, do you want to be in? Uh, so it's it's all available, and I don't think she explored the the options, or uh, she just said like, nope, I, I want the old ones back. And she made a decision as a as a military person. Now a military person will make uh, life or death decisions. It happens all the time. And she has chosen to end the life of of the combined being and split them up. Uh, in that, I guess the 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 whole wasn't greater than the sum of the parts from her point of view of what she needed. Uh, so if her decision was based on what's necessary to get everyone home, then it would make some sense, some rationality in terms of the overall purpose. And life and death decisions are made by a military person, by a, by a captain. I don't know, and I don't recall the episode well enough to uh, figure out whether she did that. So did she did she determine was, was this was she interested in and her, her highest calling make a decision based on that, or did she just want her two buddies back? Uh, if that was the case, I would have an, an issue uh, with with that. And uh, I uh, welcome commentary to know what she was thinking. Uh, I, I would have taken the Kirk approach and found a way, or the or the Spock approach and, and found a way. Uh, as I as I mentioned, uh, there is a way of, of doing that. And it's really just a matter of which timeline do you want to live in. Uh, however, probably the decision I would have made uh, as is uh, just keep going forward. And uh, and uh, what's happened has happened. It, it happened by our hand because as the captain, she's responsible for everyone on the ship. She did a transport. She she transported them up. Didn't do a good biofilter or you know learn something. And uh, the the individual or the combined individual has made a choice as to what they want. It is fundamentally wrong to go against an individual's choice. Uh, you know, you have to have a reason for doing that. And from what you presented to me, there there was no reason. Uh, so for, that's just my my gut reaction. I don't know enough, and I'd be happy to be convinced otherwise. Thank you for asking me the question. And uh, back to you. Yeah, if you're stranded somewhere, I think that's a that's a great point that the military precedence takes over. So, uh, well, thank you, Dave. Thank you for that. That's um, that's great. He, did you have any response to what Dave had to say? Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right, Dave. Um, that when when the when Tuvix made an impassioned plea, I had to think twice, right? And and maybe the militaristic decision was to, you know consider the needs of the many which outweigh the needs of the few or the one um but i still my, my heart still broke when 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 jane wade made that decision to kill tubix it was i, I couldn't understand how his, his impassioned pleas to save his life were not considered more strongly I think they were considered as strongly, but the limited capability of a 
of a crew in a stranded quadrant, I think, is the thing at the end of the day that was, it's just a numbers game. You can't afford to uh, do a two-for-one swap, even if that person is pretty awesome. So, And I think there's also a legality of, well, the Federation has a responsibility to the crew members, not to this new organism. So I feel like with alien life, that's definitely going to be something. Sovereignty over one's own, uh, what... Uh, uh, what would you call it, um, actualization? Could that be, to some extent, co-opted by an organism and therefore some symbiosis generates a new directive? And to what extent does the Federation have a responsibility to the original organism that we sent out into space? So that's also, I think, uh, perhaps a whole episode on legal <laughs> matters in Star Trek could evolve from that. Well, I think you're right, because um, there is a third species to consider here. Um, and in the watch party, we called him Kevin. He's the, the orchid that, um, Tuvok and Neelix, uh, incorporated into their DNA that allowed the, uh, the, uh, merge to happen. And so my question is what happened to Kevin at the end? Because when they separated them, only Tuvok and Neelix emerged and there was no Kevin left. Kevin became energy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I thought they, they both kept, like, Neelix and Tuvok now had parts of Kevin in him. And, um, yeah, that, <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Kevin, and I'm glad they were talking about it in the um, in the chat, because that's the joy of the watch parties. We get to enjoy these little creations that people come up with, and then that becomes part of our own lore of Star Trek Sundays. Uh, so I really, really appreciate that. Um, and um, and you make some good points, both both Dave and um, and Io make some great great points. Uh, welcome to the stage, Twist. Did you have uh, a contribution to make on on Tuvix? It's uh, definitely was the unpopular opinion, but I had I basically was going to bring up pretty much everything that Io had said, and it's unpopular, but I think Janeway had done right. She is in a situation with a crew marooned in a different section of the universe and so she i remember specifically because I, I think it was dave that says that he hadn't seen it and it's it's voyager not ds9 but um the episode in question she did actually make the the, the tactical maneuver to say i need both i need my um, i need tuvok back and i need me i need both back thank you for that i appreciate it appreciate your input to be fair tuvix was able to do both jobs <laughs> I don't think that's true, Victoria. I, I don't think he could do those jobs. Well, let's, let's put it this way. If there was a situation where um, she needed uh, she needed Tuvok to go down to do something, but he was in the kitchen, you know, Tuvix was in the kitchen, well, she'd be sacrificing her cook if she sent him on a mission, and she'd be sacrificing um, a tactician if she kept him in the kitchen. Are so those I the think, only options, though? Yeah, I think we go back to the beginning where I think Ryan and, and well, and Dave brought it up, too, of, of looking for other options and perhaps cloning um, Tuvix and then separating out uh, one of the, the beings. And I know that other people have brought up, well, doesn't that clone deserve to be to be one? But the, the point of cloning them was to do this thing and separate them out. So... Um, 
it is. It's really interesting. I love this question. I love this episode and I'm going to revisit it uh, several times and hopefully we can come up with some questions like this and other episodes like this to watch in in season two. Does anybody have any other comments on on this episode or any of the other episodes that we watched and the questions that I put forward to to everybody? Yeah, I, I just have to say, reiterate again that what they did to Tuvix literally goes against the captain's oath, which is, and and maybe I'm just being a stickler for this, right? But if if you can't uphold your highest standards at your lowest, then what's the point of them? Um, and it becomes a slippery slope where you get to the other ship that ended up in that, that area where they start using transdimensional beings as batteries because the crew, the crew's needs outweighs other beings needs. So it, it, it becomes a slippery slope if, if you don't stick to it. I still think that Janeway did the right call. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I, I have not changed my mind but I think I understand the uh, opposing point of view a little bit more after this discussion. Yeah, so I, I'm glad for that. And and T has said this several times that I love the way we have these conversations and that we can be open to exploring how firmly we hold our own thoughts and beliefs on on these opinions. And and if we can develop them even. So perhaps I would say I haven't changed my mind, but my thoughts on this have developed because of all of the contributions that you guys have given. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I would, I would agree in that I, um, I don't know that I've changed my mind. And, and I just can only echo what you said. I understand the, the other side better in that I recognize maybe I'm not ready to be a captain because maybe i'm ready not ready to make those decisions those kind of command decisions those kinds of commands yeah. Decisions. yeah the right way um because i'm just i'm i'm not i haven't gone through the training i haven't been through the the rigor and the discipline in order to make those decisions the right way yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I'm reminded, uh, and I don't want to kind of bring up another episode, but it reminds me of that episode where Riker was trying to help the counselor become a, a command officer or achieve that rank, and there was that test, and she just didn't like the answers. And I find that oftentimes in life, the answers that are, you know, game theory optimal, strategically the best, or tactically, you know, superior, whatever the case is, there's always like a mathematical solution that we quite literally have to drain in or like drill into our heads, kind of like a ritual or, or, or kind of through this kind of very brutish process because our natural intuitions lean towards compassion, or at least in the case of the counselor, they do. Uh, in the case of uh, Jane, may they seemed a little bit more cold hearted, but it's the lives of the many, so to speak. So um it's it's definitely something that's uh difficult to navigate and i don't admire leaders who have hard decisions of that sort and i'm just reminded of the pandemic that there were very similar decisions of that sort made and we saw how a diversity of uh, responses and approaches 
uh, evolved throughout the world. So it was kind of like seeing an experiment at scale of command leadership testing. Yeah, that's a good, a good point there. I appreciate that. Well, I think this is probably wrapping up for uh, today's episode. And I really appreciate all of you have, for coming. T, did you have any final words before we close out the room? Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone because this was a great room and I really appreciate um, the perspective into the command decisions that everyone have. And I think that that was something that came through really strongly. And I'm just so grateful for having a crew that, you know, that is more command capable than I am in, in a lot of ways. And so, you know, I, I think that, you know, these discussions are critical around the whole theme. And I'm just so excited to have the voices remind me of, you know, where, where this, where this is at and, and what it's about and why decisions were made the way they were. So amazing, uh, crew, amazing episode. I want to say thank you, Victoria. You have been just an absolute joy to work with in terms of getting all of these exciting products ready for our, uh, crew. The inside jokes are amazing the artwork that you have, you know, put out and the categorization and everything that you have put into this has been amazing. And I'm so excited. So please go to Star Trek Sundays podcast.com and check out all of our hard work. It's really something that we're excited about. Please use a uh, warp 10. And of course, those coupons do stack if you find more coupons on the website when you sign up for our newsletter. Really appreciate you guys. Love you very much and really hope to see you in the hallways. Yeah, thank you, everyone. A reminder, we are taking next week off, but we hope to see you here back at Star Trek Sundays, Sunday, December 4th at 10 a.m. PST. Have a great afternoon, everyone. Great afternoon, everyone. Take care, everybody. Bye.